0: As I have talked to farmers across the state, also across the region, I've heard that farmers are calling for bold changes in the food system. It isn't working for a lot of people right now, for a lot of farmers, beginning farmers, farmers who are doing things differently, implementing soil health practices. Folks need more support than they're getting. And we see this opportunity through the Farm Bill really as an instrument to move our bold vision for a new food system.
1: Welcome to the 304th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's podcast on family farming, regenerative agriculture, community food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. Perhaps no single piece of legislation has a more profound impact on what our landscape and rural communities look like than the federal farm bill. Every five years, Congress drafts a new version of this law, which determines how hundreds of billions of dollars are spent on what's grown and who grows it, as well as the environmental impact of production systems, the safety of our food, and the economic health of rural communities. In September 2023, the current Farm Bill will expire. And as we record this podcast in April, members of Congress are already working on the structure of the legislation's replacement. That means lobbyists for mainstream commodity groups and agribusiness corporations are busy trying to influence what is included and what's not included In this major piece of public policy. But the National Corn Growers Association and Cargill aren't the only ones making their voices heard these days. Last August, the Land Stewardship Project launched its 2023 Farm Bill Platform. This document was developed by farmer leaders who belong to LSP's Farm Bill Organizing Committee and is based on a survey LSP, working with the National Young Farmers Coalition, Midwest Farmers of Color Collective, and others, undertook during the winter and spring of 2022. The survey of farmers and farm food system workers in Minnesota, Iowa, and Wisconsin covered several topics, including consolidation in agriculture, conservation and the effect of climate change, crop insurance reform, access to markets and regional food systems, and the barriers beginning and BIPOC farmers face. During the past several months, LSP and its allies have been working hard to let lawmakers know that the next Farm Bill must benefit our land, communities, and everyone involved in the food system. LSP members and staff have been meeting with members of Congress and their staffers, as well as getting the word out through the media. In early March, over a dozen farmer members of LSP and the Midwest Farmers of Color Collective headed to Washington, D.C. to call on policymakers to make climate change a priority of the 2023 Farm Bill. They were joined by hundreds of farmers, farm workers, and farmer allies from across the country during the Farmers for Climate Action Rally for Resilience March. This mass mobilization of farmers to the nation's capital was reminiscent of the 1979 tractorcade that took place during the farm crisis. In the midst of all this activity, LSP federal policy organizer Sarah Goldman sat down to talk about why the Farm Bill matters to all of us and the opportunity we have in 2023 to make it a transformative piece of legislation. She started our conversation by describing the scope of this massive law.
0: I describe the Farm Bill really as the biggest federal food system bill that dictates not only how the agriculture system works, but also is the biggest funder for nutrition programs too. So 80% of the farm bill goes to the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. So it really is a holistic food system bill that dictates how billions, hundreds of billions of dollars are spent over a five-year period. So the farm bill is reauthorized on a, on a five-year cycle. So the last farm bill was passed in 2018 and it will expire in September of um, 2023. So we have a really important and critical opportunity to dictate how farm and food system policy will operate over the next five years.
1: Is there something somebody might be surprised to learn about that the Farm Bill impacts? That they're like, oh, I never thought of that, you know, because it is it is a humongous piece of legislation.
0: Yeah, so sometimes I like to kind of pull out examples of things maybe you hadn't thought about. In the Farm Bill, there is an entire energy title. They're also are provisions that deal with forestry. So there's a lot of funding in there that goes into how forests are managed and how they operate. Um, There's also funding for rural development. Um, And also, folks might not know that the farm credit system is also uh, funded through the Farm Bill. So there's not only funding going towards um, practices you might think of like conservation practices, but also farm credit, so how farmers are getting into the business and able to to access land and capital. I think any farm group, whether it be a commo- a big commodity grower growers association, or organizations that are more progressive, like the Land Stewardship Project. Most groups are, are trying to influence this process because it has such an enormous impact on the way the food system and federal ag support system operates. But also, I would add that you know hunger relief organizations are also weighing in, and other folks you might not think of, for example, like folks working on forestry, energy development, rural development, are also engaged in this process.
1: Why is the Land Stewardship Project, it, we have put a lot of energy into it, and we've had some, some victories in the past. We've had the Conservation Stewardship Program and some other. The Beginning Farmer Rancher Development Program was part of the Farm Bill as well. So we've had some good luck with it. But why is it that we do kind of put a put a pretty good focus on it every five years or so.
0: Yeah, so as I have talked to farmers across the state, also across the region, we've done some work in the upper Midwest region, writ large, I've heard that farmers are calling for bold changes in the food system. It isn't working for a lot of people right now, for a lot of farmers, beginning farmers, farmers who are doing things differently, implementing soil health practices. Folks need more support than they're getting. And we see this um, opportunity through the Farm Bill really as an instrument to move our bold vision for a new food system. So we're engaged in this process because we really see it as an enormous opportunity, both to activate our membership and also to achieve real wins, which LSB has done historically through the Farm Bill
1: process. Pretty much for the last, gosh, what, year or so, Uh, or in 2022 anyway, I know you and some other uh, policy organizers have been reaching out to a lot of members and other organizations to talk about what we would like to see in that 2023 Farm Bill. Can you talk a little bit about some of the things, some of the ways that we gathered that input, and then also what you started hearing from folks during the past year or so.
0: Yes, so to start out, I just want to mention that all of our policies, Farm Bill included, are grounded in our membership. So we have a steering committee um, made up of eight farmer LSP members who have been instrumental in kind of shaping the form that our farm bill organizing and policy priorities have taken. So just want to shout out to those members, and and we meet regularly, and and they've been instrumental in in guiding this process. As you mentioned, over the past year, we have done a number of activities to make sure that we're incorporating the perspectives and the voices of farmers across the region into all of our advocacy work. So uh, to kick off the process, we held eight farm bill listening sessions virtually on a host of different topics because the Farm Bill is such an enormous piece of legislation that has so many different impacts. So we held those eight Farm Bill Listening Sessions. In addition to those listening sessions, we also partnered um, with the National Young Farmers Coalition and the Midwest Farmers of Color Collective to send out a survey for farmers and food system workers in Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Iowa um, to gather their input about how they use federal programs right now, what their vision is for a new food system, and kind of to uh, gather their input to to tell us about what they wanted us to focus on in the Farm Bill process. So we had about 750 responses to that survey. And so we went through that information. We actually have great visuals in our Farm Bill platform that came from the data collected through that survey process. But the information gathered through listening sessions, through discussions with our organizing committee, and then responses from the survey all helped shape our 2023 farm bill platform.
1: I get a little bit of a sense that, you know, this part of the farm bill process for LSP and groups like us has always been to try to gather that input. But this one seems pretty wide and deep, kind of the groups that we've reached out to, including, and then our members, of course, that we've really, it seems like maybe unprecedented to to me uh, after all the farm bill cycles I've been through. I know you're fairly new at LSP, but do you get that sense that There was a lot of groups who finally were coming together on this a little bit, who maybe had worked separately, but realized, oh, we kind of have to team up on this a little bit.
0: Yeah, so in our platform development, we also tried to work collaboratively. We could have definitely done, done more, and we are in active conversations with other groups, but a number of individuals representing different groups in the state Reviewed the platform, so I'll just give a sh- quick shout out to those folks. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have Kazua Berry with Big River Farms, Erin with the Latino Economic Development Center, as well as Rodrigo Kala from the Latino Economic Development Center, Zoe Holloman with the Midwest Farmers of Color Collective, and then we also had a few partners who represent national groups. Uh, Kathy Day with the National Sustainable Agriculture Coalition, Patty Lavera with the Campaign for Family Farms and the Environment, and Carolina Euler with the National Young Farmers Coalition. Those folks were instrumental in looking over our platform, giving us feedback on things that they thought um, we should add. And then at our platform release, we also hosted a number of speakers from different organizations to talk about how the Farm Bill impacts their work because we had great members in attendance, but I also think it's important that allies um, also have the opportunity to share with our membership.
1: Well, let's talk about the platform. As I said, we released it, uh, yeah, August at the Lavold Farm and had a huge turnout, a lot of folks from the community and some of the groups we work with, and like you said, they broke down into smaller groups to discuss some of the the issues that they'd like to see addressed. I think I got a sense from that event just how how much people have been thinking about, people are starting to maybe realize, even if they've worked in, in this field for a while, realizing maybe what an impact the Farm Bill has on different aspects that maybe they they had ignored. And I should say not just the Farm Bill, but federal policy. And so it was a really, I think, a really good event for releasing that. But can you take us through LSP's 2023 Farm Bill platform that, you know, and this is a result of, like you said, the survey, input from members, you know, a lot of collecting a lot of information and kind of consolidating that. And I guess I should point out that it's Information we're gathering both locally, kind of statewide, regionally, and then nationally, too. It's really a good example of the movement maybe going on the offensive a little bit and not just sitting back and trying to prevent the worst things being passed or taking little piecemeal pieces and taking whatever crumbs that drop from the table. We're really we've, we're, It's a, some pretty innovative stuff that, that we're trying to get out there and trying to push on that. So let's let's hear about it.
0: Yeah, so generally our platform focuses on five areas that are pretty broad, but holistically they lay out a vision for the food system that we really want to see moving across this this 2023 farm bill. I will encourage listeners to check out the full platform if you can. It's online. It's it's a longer document, but it has all the details. So anything I mentioned today, um, more details are in the full platform. But uh, generally, our, our platform has five focus areas, and those focus areas are consolidation, crop insurance reform, conservation and climate, young, beginning, and BIPOC farmers, Black, Indigenous, people of color farmers, and regional food systems. So I can dive into maybe each of the mm-hmm. the farm the the five pillars and and share a little overview of what we we hope to see the farm bill address for each of those topics. And then also you'll hear from our farm bill organizing committee members themselves as they talk about those issues. So in the consolidation category, we at LSP understand that consolidation on farms, it often leads to consolidation of food businesses and the decline of once vibrant rural communities. So we've seen this across towns, across communities in the region. And so we also understand that these impacts um, of consolidation, they extend beyond just farmers and communities. They impact food system workers. They also impact everyone who's a consumer. And also, as we think about the impacts of climate, and disruptions that we've seen over the past couple of years, they also impact the overall resiliency of our food supply chain. Um, So in our farm bill survey, we found that um, of all of the folks who took the survey, about 50% or more found maintaining consistent access to slaughter facilities difficult. So this is just one specific example. I'm sure most of you are aware um, through COVID about The impacts that we saw on our meat supply chain but you know it's just reflected in the survey itself so consolidation in the meat sector is one specific example but consolidation writ large also impacts our full food system so we're calling for lots of action through the farm bill to address consolidation and restore competition and we really just want to see a level playing field for small and mid-sized farmers um, and we want to see the, the federal government really break up monopolies through the Farm Bill. There's a, a really enormous opportunity there, and we want to see stronger antitrust laws. So that's a consolidation section. Yeah, so to start us off on the conservation and climate plank, I wanted to ground us in the results of our Farm Bill survey again because these were really telling in this focus area. So in the past five years, of Farm Bill survey respondents said that 90% of respondents said that they had experienced more severe weather events. 91% had experienced extreme temperature swings. And 84% believe that those effects are due to climate change. So folks across the state recognize the impacts that um, climate change is having on the weather that they're experiencing and also the extremes that are impacting their operation. Um, I think those stats are, are really incredible and also our call to action. People know that climate change is impacting their operations and they want to see things change and this problem to be addressed. The next topic which LSP has worked on for a number of years is crop insurance reform. So today, of farms receive 60% of total farm subsidies. That's also an incredible statistic. So a small group of farms are receiving the majority of farm subsidies through crop insurance. At the same time, we have many small farms, diversified farms, particularly folks who are doing things differently, who are growing a variety of crops. They're using um, diverse um, crop rotations, they're implementing organic production methods, they are unable to access crop insurance or commodity programs, and they're left out of disaster assistance. So these two facts that are operating simultaneously indicate that the crop insurance system, it's not equitable, it's not fair, and um, it leaves behind thousands of farmers who are growing food that actually feeds their community. The federal crop insurance subsidy program. It artificially reduces risks, and it enables the largest farms to continue to expand, and, and this needs to change. We need more farmers on the land who are able to mitigate risk, especially right now as the climate is changing and becoming a farmer and continuing to operate is an even more risky undertaking. So we want to see crop insurance reform. We want to see cr- um, common sense limits on crop insurance premium subsidies for the largest operations and we also want to see more crop insurance coverage available to diversified
1: producers talking both about conservation and climate and crop insurance reform is it it kind of dovetails nicely with a lot of the work that lsp and other groups have been doing recently on soil health because for one thing so you know we've, we're seeing all the benefits of Creating more resilient farms by building soil health. So any way we can encourage that, and that can be done a lot. We've seen that through federal policy and support for adopting some of these practices is it really helps us there. But also with crop insurance, because payments being made out for crop insurance have just been going up because of extreme weather. So if we can somehow reward these these practices that make these farms more resilient help them manage water better help them deal with drought situations it seems like that's a huge opportunity for a, an innovative farm bill
0: yeah i totally agree and we as as taxpayers everyone who who pays taxes in this in this country is a player in the crop insurance conversation it is our money that is going to support a certain type of production method and it really is imperative that we are making sure that the type of production that we're incentivizing is reducing the risk that folks face as as the climate changes. So we really see that crop insurance and conservation needs to be tied together. We're in the throes of some climate craziness (laughs) and um, we desperately need to to take action in every way that we can, including through crop insurance coverage.
1: This next platform I'm really excited about, this is kind of a a newer area, or you know, it's been kind of uh, hinted at in other Farm Bill work we've done, but this I'm seeing more than ever, groups coming across, nationally coming together to talk about this issue. We're at a real moment here with this. Uh, We're seeing a lot more evidence coming out of how discriminatory the USDA has been towards certain groups of farmers, and we're just also seeing a huge interest on the part of folks that normally you don't associate with agriculture in America really getting interested in farming. We're seeing that through our Farm Beginnings Program.
0: We, in our Farm Bill survey, had some really stark results related to equity. The Black, Indigenous, and People of Color survey respondents were overall 60% more likely to never have received communications from USDA about programs. We need a farm bill that provides more and culturally appropriate technical assistance services and also creates a pathway to support land transition, apprenticeship, mentorship, and legacy planning work for folks who want to transition their land. So the farm bill is an an enormous opportunity to address these issues and we see it as imperative that equity is front and center in all conversations. Land access is, is one place that it could show up, but also in, in all aspects and all parts of our Farmville platform, I think it's, it's really important to center equity. We're working with allies in this space as we put together our Farm Bill asks in the land access realm, I think it's also really imperative that we support access to land for anyone who wants to go into farming, especially for folks who historically have been underserved by USDA and haven't had access to land because of racism in in all of its forms. So the last pillar of our platform is regional food systems. So LSP members are, they're really calling for healthy community-based food systems. As I mentioned in the introduction, The Farm Bill is also a major food security bill, um, and we understand how important and interconnected agriculture policy and nutrition programs are in facilitating access to fresh, healthy, affordable, and culturally appropriate foods. So in our Farm Bill survey, around 50% of respondents had trouble maintaining access to viable markets, and around 70% of respondents found the cost of production is higher than the price that they receive for their goods. These are really telling statistics. It shows that there's a lot of work to do to build regional food systems that support producers and consumers alike. So in the farm bill, we really wanna see this legislation facilitate market access through outreach, through additional funding and through technical assistance programs. And then we also want to protect critical investments in nutrition programs through the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program and the Emergency Food Assistance Program. Now is a time of rising food prices and food insecurity. It's a time when farmers are struggling um, to make a living wage. And we see those two issues as interconnected and regional food systems are the solution to that
1: issue. Again, I'm really struck at the timing of this in that we've got, so we're again coming off COVID and we saw just how fragile our current food system is. But the other thing is, there's been some really good research coming out and a lot of good input from rural communities in the upper Midwest, particularly about lack of access to processing. And it's become clear, I think, to policymakers that if we're going to have a system of agriculture that integrates livestock onto the land in a way that uh, has a good, tight nutrient cycle, builds soil health and all that, Farmers, ha- they can't just have this livestock and then not have a market for it or have a way to process it. So the, the timing of this, there's a lot of good information coming out now showing the economic and environmental impact we could have if we had more access to this, this processing. And the, I guess, role that supporting local processors in transitioning their operations as well as upgrading their operations, but also connecting farmers with those processors that... There's a, a real role here for public policy, I think, to help do that. I
0: totally agree. And in response to that, I would say legislators have taken action. We have a uh, representative from Southern Minnesota and Angie Craig, who was recently reelected to serve in Congress, and she has championed a bill to strengthen our local processing sector through, it's called the Strengthening Local Processing Act. Uh, So we mentioned that bill in our platform, but legislators are looking at this issue. I think it's become apparent that in the meat processing sector, there's a lot of work to do so that farmers feel confident when they're raising livestock that they'll have somewhere to process it. And likewise, consumers can feel confident that they have access to consistent nutrients through through meat um, that is raised locally. So... I would say legislators are excited to work on this issue and we have a real champion here in Representative Angie Craig.
1: So that's the five <laughs> platform areas that uh, we're focusing on for the 2023 Farm Bill. And the f- current Farm Bill expires in September, is it September, end of September yep. of 2023. So what are the next steps for LSP? Where are we at now on this kind of as we try to uh, carry this forth?
0: Yeah, so right now we're in a really interesting time. There are going to be so many marker bills that are, so many bills that are introduced that are really intended to be rolled into the farm bill. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'll be tracking those. We'll be publicizing bills that we like, bills that we think are going in the wrong direction, incentivizing the wrong type of agriculture and continuing to leak to consolidation. So We'll be tracking those and it's an instrumental time for folks to make their voice heard. The Farm Bill is not set at this point. There's an opportunity for you to contact your legislators. We in Minnesota have an incredible opportunity in that both of our senators are on the Senate Agriculture Committee. We also have a number of representatives from both parties in the state on the House Agriculture Committee. And so we are well represented at the Um, negotiation table. And you as an individual are also in an incredible position to contact your representatives, both your senators, also your representatives, and tell them what you want to see incentivized through this agriculture policy bill. I encourage you to continue to follow The Land Stewardship Projects page will be publicizing information about the bills coming out that we support. We'll also be organizing meetings with our senators and representatives to let them know about our priorities. And our organizing committee members will be also publicizing information in our platform. They'll be hosting their own um, organizing meetings to activate folks in their communities. So stay tuned, follow our page, and there are definitely – many opportunities to engage on Farm Bill work.
1: This is the first of two Ear to the Ground podcasts on the 2023 Farm Bill. Episode number 305 will feature conversations with farmer members of LSP's Federal Policy Steering Committee. For more information on LSP's 2023 Farm Bill platform and our work related to federal policy in general, see the links on the podcast page for Ear to the Ground number 304 at landstewardshipproject.org. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org or you can call 612-816-9342. By the way, it helps us greatly if you can give Ear to the Ground a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you utilize. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening.